speak those thousands of words that I could never say. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated if you would, please. Well, if you brought a Bible this morning or used your iPhone or iPad or whatever, turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible today, there's one under the seat where you're sitting. On page 970, you'll find Matthew chapter 6. So recently I had, they, they called it oral surgery. I think that's exaggerating it a bit compared to some of the oral surgery things I've seen. But I had a, uh, went to a periodontist and they take skin off of the top of your mouth. That's what I said, ooh. <laughs> and put it over, over here. And it didn't work, so they had to do it again three or four weeks later. And it's kind of weird, you know, you think about somebody peeling the skin off the roof of your mouth, putting it in there and putting some stitches in there, and you can feel, you know, there were big stitches kind of laying out here when you're stitching the top of my mouth and little stitches down here when you're doing them on the bottom. You know what the worst part was? The needle, the shot, somebody said, exactly. So you know what that's like. And this is a really good guy. I love him. But the second time he... He had his assistant give me the shot, and I was really glad because the first time he went in there and he kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, but he kept poking. <laughs> he wasn't very convincing to me. <laughs> so, you know, you, you don't have a two-way conversation with a dentist, do you? <laughs> they get their hand in your mouth and they're talking away. Steve Erickson was a really good friend of mine. He'd be, he'd be talking away and asking me a question. <laughs> you know, you're going to grunt and groan. It's not a two-way conversation. For many people, prayer isn't a two-way conversation either. I titled this series Convincing Conversations because prayer is not only to be about us talking, which is what most of us spend most of our time doing, praying, but it's also about listening, learning to listen to Jesus. So... Uh, I want to begin with several passages about Jesus praying. The first is Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying, <clears throat> and I, uh, the thing I noticed there is, in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So they see Jesus praying in a certain place, probably a place that he often went to pray, why he uses that word. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So fill in the blank there. Jesus, teach me to pray. Now, you, I asked earlier if you know how to pray, and most of you said, yeah, I know how to pray. And you probably do, because it's not that complicated. If you know how to talk, you can pray. But there are probably some things that we can learn about prayer. When I first started writing Harley Davidson, uh, this guy, was so, it was kind of crazy, actually, this guy uh, sold me a bike for a buck because he wanted me to learn how to ride, and he knew I wanted to learn how to ride. So I had this Yamaha uh, that I rode. It's a street bike. And uh, he, just, he showed me the controls and then said, go for it. We were out on a country road. And so easier said than done, I, I killed it about 15 times before I could you know, get in first gear and take off. Just kept dying. And to get a permit, you have to do that 10 times in a row without, without stalling it. 
So I got that going, and then I went down the road. It was about 30 degrees that day, and turned around. I, I actually didn't turn around the road. I stopped, backed up, and got going again. I, I didn't know how to ride that thing. So a couple of weeks later, he, did, he gave me the bike. I didn't, sorry, I didn't have a permit or anything. And so I rode it from, from Columbus to Billings, and I went on all the back roads. And when I got to the turnoff to the Laurel Golf Club, I almost had a wreck. It scared me to death. Finally managed to make it home. So I thought, well, I probably better learn something before I ride this thing. So I got, Ginger got me some videos. I can't understand why she would do that. Of this uh, highway patrolman who teaches motorcycle riders. I mean, they're the best of the best. They can do everything. I watched those, and then I went down to the Still without a permit, sorry. I went over to the place where they give lessons, and I watched what they do when they're giving lessons. Talked to a, talked to a guy there. And then I, a few weeks later, I went and I got lessons so I could get my permit. And uh, what I discovered along in that journey is you can know information, but there's nothing like experience. And then some of you may remember I had a couple of wrecks. I was 60 years old before I started riding the motorcycles. It was crazy, but I'd ride down there and say, why did I wait so long to learn how to do this? It's so much fun. Then I had a couple of wrecks. There's just nothing like experience. And now I haven't had a wreck for 10 years, I guess. And finally, yeah, that's what, I, that's what Ginger said too. <laughs> but there's nothing like experience. In other words, you can know a lot of information about prayer, but there's no better way to learn how to pray than by praying. And see, I've been doing this a long time. So I know that most of you don't pray very much. Not doing this. <laughs> just saying I know because I've been doing this a long, long time. So who better to teach us to pray than Jesus? So notice this verse, Luke 5.16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So often is one of the operative words, and lonely places is also important. Then Mark one thirty five says, very early in the morning. Doesn't mean that's the only time to pray. That's, that's when Jesus prayed. If you, if you pray very late at night and that's best for you, then that's the time to pray. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, and went off to a solitary place. Notice it's a solitary place again where he prayed. And then Luke 6, 12 says, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Again, a solitary place. And spent the night praying to God. I've never, I've never spent the night praying. He prayed all night. So let's learn some lessons from Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. This is Matthew's version of what Luke wrote about when the disciples said, teach us to pray. This was... This was uh, Matthew's version of that same incident. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. You might underline that word if you write in your Bible. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by men. So they pray to be seen. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. It's interesting, isn't it, that they pray to be seen, but you pray to your Father who is 
unseen. Then your Father, who sees what you have done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, he's assuming that we do, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So it's not the volume of words that you use that really matters in prayer. It's what he's saying. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, he knows what we need before we ask him, but he still wants us to have a conversation with him about that because we'll gain further understanding. So notice, first of all, in your outline, don't be a pretender. Don't be a pretender. Read the verse again. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So how many of you have ever been in a in a play, someplace where you acted. I was, I was in an eighth grade play. I was Clem. Kind of helped me. Not Clem the Cadiddle Hopper, like Red <laughs> Skelton, but I was Clem, kind of a Cadiddle Hopper. And when you act, you're pretending to be somebody that you're not, right? So interesting thing about Israel, so many interesting things, but one of them that I remember, I should have brought a picture. I, I'm not young and techy, but I should have brought a picture of this. It's a, there's an area along the Mediterranean coast, Caesarea, and there's several things there. There's a place there where Paul got in a boat, went out to a ship, and sailed on his missionary journeys. Then a little bit farther south is a, a huge area. It's, a, it's an arena where they had chariot races. There's a place where Paul was tried before he went to Rome. And uh, there's another place where chariots race. And the last place that you visit is uh, its a theater. It's an outdoor. It goes up like this in about a semicircle, and it's made out of rocks. Very well done. Like a Colosseum that you'd see only. It's just kind of like a third of a circle. Several hundred people could sit there. And this is Caesarea, which Caesar, it's a Roman town, so that they were so sensual in everything that they did that Jews wouldn't even come near that place. But there's a, there's a place where the people who watch sit. There's a stage, and you can stand on the stage and be heard clear up above. It's wonderful acoustics, though it's outside. And under and behind the stage are rooms where the actors would prepare. And they were called, the the word is related to the word hypocrites because they put on a mask. They acted with a mask on. So Jesus is saying here, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the actors who pretend to be something that they're not. They pretend to be talking to God, but they're really talking to people so that People will see them, hear them, and they'll think that they're godly and spiritual people. Now, it'd be kind of crazy in our culture, but imagine somebody standing on 27th Street and 2nd Avenue, and it might be a little less crazy. Let's, Let's say it's a priest with all of his robes on, and he's standing on the corner praying. Well, you might drive by and think, well, that's a little strange, but you'd in that day, they were all dressed in their robes and everything. They never thought, oh, those are the godly people. Look how, look how much they pray. Look how often they pray. And there were three hours of prayer, 9, 12, and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They knew exactly when to be there. 
so that everybody would see them. They prayed. Jesus said, don't be like them. You know, Jared and I sitting out on the, on the bench. We got the heater on, of course. <laughs> and we're sitting out there and everybody's driving by and we're doing this. He said, if you pray to be seen, doesn't doesn't mean we're not supposed to pray publicly. But if your motive is to pray so that other people see you and know how godly you are, he said, then that's your reward. They're going to admire you and say, well, that's wonderful. So the question is, do you want people to admire you or do you want God to admire you? I want God to hear you. So don't be a pretender. Be sincere. Take off the cover when you, when you pray. The second thing is talk to Papa. I, lo- I love this. I listened to a, a black man uh, preach in Chicago a few years ago. Golly, that guy was so smart, it was scary. And he, you know, he's one of those guys that preaches and you just feel like standing up and shouting when he's done. And, but when he began... I'd never heard anybody do this before. I'd heard this phrase before, but I'd never heard anybody do this. He said, Papa, Papa, we come before you today. And I thought, oh, man, is that cool? There's a big difference between Papa and Father. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father. And that word is in the Greek language is a familiar word for, like a familiar term for your Father, Papa who is unseen, then your papa who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So focus on papa. We've talked a couple of weeks ago about sometimes when we pray, it's true of me if I, unless I pay attention, and I bet it's true of you too. You can be in a group praying, and it's not like you're trying to be hypocritical or phony or anything, but you're, you're thinking about what you're saying and you're thinking about the people that are there listening to your prayer and sometimes I just have to discipline or catch myself and say, no, focus on the Father. Focus on Papa when you talk. There are people there, but I'm not talking to them. I'm talking, I'm talking to him. So focus on the Father. And the, and the thing about Papa is all my, all my grandkids call me Papa. And, you know, when, when a grandchild calls you Papa, it's just like, you want anything? I can get it for you. I will, you know. I'll, I'll do anything for you. It's an endearing term. There's a lot of difference between saying, imagine calling your dad father, or grandfather. Grandfather, could I talk to you? As opposed to Papa, could I talk to you? That's that's the implication of how we're to pray to our heavenly Father, our heavenly Papa. Notice this phrase, Christianity is not a set of of intellectual beliefs, but a love relationship with God. The essence of Christianity is your love for Jesus and allowing him to lead you. I was talking to a guy in the lobby last week. Jared was preaching, so I was out there kind of watching over things in the lobby and talking to this guy, and he, he he talked incessantly for about 30 minutes. And he was trying to impress me about how many classes he'd taken and how many degrees he had. And, and I, I don't I hope it doesn't sound judgmental, but I, I thought, I'm not impressed. I mean, I'm glad you took a lot of classes, but the real, the real question is, I don't, I don't hear anything about the love for the Lord here. It's a brief conversation, but I don't see or hear anything in your life that would indicate that you, that you love Jesus, that you love the, love the Lord. You know, it's important to have good theology. 
you know, cults get us off kilter. We don't watch it. But your theology is of no value unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about loving the Lord. It's not about head knowledge. Some, somebody said a few years to me, they were was at a class reunion, and they said to me about their brother, said, and he knows the word. That's like setting off a firecracker in me. Because what it means is they, they have a lot of head knowledge. Well, does he love Jesus? I'm glad he knows the word. should know the word. But does he love Jesus? Let me say it again. Christianity is not a set of intellectual beliefs, but a love relationship with God. You say, well, I can't see him. He can see you. Well, I can't hear him. Well, he can hear you. That's the important thing, isn't it? It's a love relationship with your father. Then the third one is, go to your room. You know how parents say, go to your room. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like that. You know, if I would say, if I would say to most of you, could, could, you, could you follow me? I want you to come to my office. Now, it would depend upon your relationship with me. I hope you would feel, oh gosh, he wants to tell me something. I hope you wouldn't feel, ooh, what did I do? Sometimes people do that with me, especially staff members at Faith Chapel. If I'd say, could I, could I see in my office? It's like, mm, what do I do? What I want you to hear the Father say, when it says, go to, go to your room, means get alone with the Lord. Could, could, you, come in the, could you come in the room and be alone with me because I want to talk to you? I want to have a conversation with you. I want to tell you something. You know, uh, a guy at district conference a couple of weeks ago was my district supervisor. I, I had said hello to him. We were there for three days. I said hello to him. And on the second day, so I'm walking down the hall, and he grabbed me by the arm. He says, here, follow me. I haven't had a chance to get to talk to you at all at this conference. We went in a room all by ourselves, and we sat and talked. That's what I'm talking about. Just a, could we have a conversation? Could we, just, could we just spend a few minutes talking? One of the ways that I thought about this was it's like when you're, if you've ever done a prayer journal where you're writing your prayer journal, I always think about, I don't want anybody to read this. There's a difference in praying when you know somebody's listening or writing in a prayer journal when you know somebody's going to read it than there is when you think, I, I don't want anybody to read this, but I need to say this to the Lord. That's, that's what's being implied there. Go to your room. In other words, be by yourself. When I, in the summertime, I love summertime for lots of reasons, but one is I get to sit on the patio every night, and it's dark, and Ginger's in bed, and I can sit out there, and it's quiet. And I can, it seems like I can hear the Lord better, because it's quiet. And when I say hear the Lord, I'm not talking about, Stan, how are you doing? <laughs> They're impressions. There are thoughts, there are ideas that come when you talk to him, and that's likely not going to happen unless you're alone and it's quiet. Someone said, silence is the furnace of the great struggle and the great encounter. Now, I want to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you get uncomfortable when it's quiet? Most people get uncomfortable when it's quiet. How often do you pray and you just sit and be quiet. 
Well, that's not praying. I'm not talking. Yes, it is praying. It's a two-way. This is a conversation. And when you get quiet, if there's anything that's a little amiss, if there's anything going on between you and the Lord, you know what? He'll bring these thoughts to your mind. That's why that's referred to as a furnace. It's not like he's coming, coming after you to torture you, torture you, but it's like that's when you can really do business with God is when it's quiet. How do you respond when it's quiet and these thoughts come to you and you're, we've all done it. There's something amiss in your life and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to talk about that, Lord. Oh, I don't want to, oh, no, don't talk to me about that. So we break the silence. But silence is our friend. I don't remember who said it, but God is the friend of silence. I love that. He loves silence because that's when we can hear him the best. Pascal, which most of you have probably heard of, he's a religious philosopher in the 1600s. He said, most human problems come because we do not know how to sit still in our room for an hour. Think about that. Just to sit and be quiet. Maybe jot some things down. Maybe read some scripture. Maybe talk to the Lord a little bit and then just be quiet. Most people in our culture, it drives them absolutely nuts when it's silent. There's no greater friend than silence. And then the fourth is think before you speak. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Do you know what the word prattle means? Prattle means just endless babbling. I had an appointment with a woman who will remain unnamed a number of years ago. And I don't mean to sound unkind in this, but after about 45 minutes, I was sitting there thinking, would you please just shut up? <laughs> You're driving me crazy. I mean, she hardly took a breath. And, and I was sitting there thinking, why did you come? Did, do you, do you want to know what I think about something or... Or are you just going to talk? She talked for an hour. Never, I never did get to say anything. And it drove me a little crazy, obviously. So when you pray, don't babble like the pagans. Obviously, you need to talk. But I bet once in a while the Lord thinks, would you give me a chance to talk? Do you want to know what I think about this? Maybe you should just, just listen for a little while. A number of years ago, uh, when President George Bush, George W. Bush came to town, a woman from Faith Chapel got to sing, and I got to pray to initiate that service at the Metro, and gosh, I was, golly. So I, I was pretty well prepared. And so I, I did this prayer. I, was, I very thought, you have to send them your prayer. You don't just get to stand up there and pray. You have to send them your prayer. That's to be approved. So, but I didn't hold anything back. I just, I just prayed, and and then I concluded it with the Lord's prayer. I said, "Could we say it together?" Now you just think about this. Can you imagine the metro being filled with the volume of voices? The place was packed with the Lord's prayer. Oh gosh, it was awesome. It's incredible. We all know the Lord's prayer, but I wonder. Do we think about what we're saying when we say the Lord's Prayer? 
So I've just, I've called this a daily checklist. And I, I didn't look, but I think Allie put some, che- some, some little boxes on your outline beside each, each of these points. Is that there? Little box? Okay. So the first one is, Papa, you have my or you have our utmost respect. The phrase, our Father or our Papa who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, you probably know this, but the name of God in the Old Testament, the, the most revered name of God was Yahweh, is the way we say it, but we don't really know how it's pronounced because they didn't use vowels. His name was so holy they wouldn't speak it. Y-H-W-H. That's all it is. So much respect and reverence for the Lord's name, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even say it. That's what it means. Hallowed is your name. Holy is your name. So you, you, know, you know what happens when somebody says, says Jesus Christ only has a swear word? God, it's just like... Because we think, praise the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is so beautiful to us, isn't it? We don't say praise the name of Wally. That's not a holy name. Praise the name of Jesus. There's just something about that name Jesus, isn't there? And a name communicates utmost respect. So you can just check that box. Papa, you have our utmost respect. Secondly, I or we want what you want. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now trust me, if you went to, if you went to heaven right now, there would be no question when you arrived who was in charge. You know, read the book of Revelation, the first two or three chapters. Gosh, it's awesome about angels praising the Lord endlessly. And, you know, and in heaven, nobody's going to say, I don't want to do that. In heaven, we revere him, we're so close to him, and he'll be so magnificent. He's in charge, right? And it'll be a wonderful, lovely kind of being in charge. So when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it's like, it's like we're saying there's a kingdom within a kingdom. There's the kingdom of this world where the small g God of this world is for this season of time running rampant. But when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, Lord, let your kingdom come and rule in my life. I don't want to be submitted to the God of this world. I want to be submitted to you. I want your rule and reign to be in my life. That's what you're praying for. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Luke 9.23, if, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. In other words, thy kingdom come. Lord, I'm giving you the lead. I want you to, I want you to lead me. So check that box. Then thirdly, if... I or we choose to trust over worry. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the way I think about that is you think of the manna in the Old Testament. So the manna, for those of you who don't know about that, when they were traveling in the wilderness for 40 years, God provided this wheat-like substance that was left like dew in the desert every day, and the people went out and gathered. That's the way they ate. So every day, Sunday, they went out and got enough for that day. Monday, they went out and got enough for that day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Once they tried to get enough for two days so, so they wouldn't have to go out, but that second day spoiled. 
give us this day our daily bread. What was he communicating? Trust. Trust me. Second way was on, on Friday they got enough for two days and it didn't rot. Why? Because of the Sabbath. Trust me for the Sabbath. I'll provide for you. When you stop working on the Sabbath, you're saying, I trust you. I can't. I don't know about you, but I, my work is never done. You're never going to get it all done. But if you stop on the Sabbath and trust Him, then He will intervene and help you on those other six days. So give us today our provision. We're not going to worry. We're going to trust you. When Jesus was talking about, don't worry about what you eat, drink, or wear, He said, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So I choose to trust Papa. Check that, check that one. And number four is my, my or our relationships are in good order. Now, we've talked about this enough recently. I don't need to spend very much time on it, but, but this is so important. So Jim and I have this relationship. And when I talk to the Lord and I say, I, I, I say to him, you know, I want to make, make sure my relationships are in order, then, Lord, would you treat me like I treat Jim? Whoa. Would you forgive me like I forgive Jim? I have to forgive him a lot. Golly, it's horrible. <laughs> Every day in the Lord's prayer, oh, Lord, me and Jim, you know, obviously. obviously. But you get the idea. I'm praying, Lord, you treat me like I treat them. So think about somebody that's not forgiven in your life. How important is it to get that cleaned up? Leave nothing undealt with. Forgive me like I forgive them. I was talking to somebody on their deathbed a few days ago. And they had something wrong in a relationship. And boy, we, we talked about that and she got it taken care of. Number five is, check that box. Then number five is, I or we choose to resist evil. You remember, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted. What we're praying is, Lord, I don't want to be led into the wilderness to be tempted today. Please protect me from the wiles of the enemy. There are going to be days when we face that, but he said, Let us not lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil or from the evil one. Listen to this verse. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. It doesn't say be afraid of him. It says resist him. In fact, one of the few times you can run, the Bible says with regard to temptation, flee. Run for your life. Get out of there. It's dangerous. And I love this verse that takes away all the excuses. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So when you're being tempted, Lord, where's the door? Where's the door? There's a way out of this. Look for the door. So check that box. I will not live in fear because God will help me resist the evil one. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I recently did a, fu a funeral in a liturgical church. And, uh, of 
course, there's the printed, the, the printed liturgy that everybody read and went through, and the Lord's Prayer was in there. And I, I don't feel judgmental about this. There's so much meaning in the, in the Lord's Prayer, but when you just say it over and over and over again and don't think about what you're saying, which is what most commonly happens with the Lord's Prayer, gosh, just don't let yourself get in that habit. So I hope this morning you pay attention to these phrases. Lord, your name is holy. When I say the name of Jesus, I say it with respect. The Lord God, the Almighty. Lord, I want your kingdom to come and rule in my life. <clears throat> Lord, I don't want to be submitted to this world and the God of this world, small g. I want my life to be submitted to you and your kingdom. Lord, today I trust you. I trust you for all that I need, and I'm not going to worry because you're trustworthy. Father, if there's anything between another person, show me so that I can get that taken care of and I can forgive them. And I, can, I can treat them like you. I want you to treat me. And Lord, protect me from the wiles of the enemy. I know I have a target on me. He's after my soul. But you humiliated him publicly on the cross. I rest in that. He has no place in my life. I want to challenge you, just maybe you'll need to look at the words in Matthew chapter 6, but every day for a while, I do it often. I'll just go through each phrase of the Lord's Prayer, not saying it rote, but just what I said to you just now. Just It's kind of a checklist of a healthy, healthy, wonderful prayer to the Lord. So this morning, I, you know, I talked about loving God, the most important part about Christianity is that you have a love relationship with God and that comes through Jesus Christ. I'm not asking if you know the right doctrines, the right beliefs, but have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you love Him? Do you give Him the lead in your life? If you haven't done that, but you'd like to today, would you just, while everybody else's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, would you just look up at me? And I, I won't embarrass you, I promise, but just hold up your hand. Let me acknowledge with you that today you're saying, Jesus, I want a love relationship with you. Yes, I see you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Lord, I think we could all raise our hands again and say, yes, Jesus. We want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to walk with you every day. We want to be you to be intimately involved in our life every day. Lead us. We give you permission to lead us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and let's worship the Lord as we conclude.